Hey, everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, July 10th. So, I'm going to start out this week in the same way that YNR started out this week. So, after having hot, hot, naughty farm sex with Sam. Sharon decides to sit down and write him a letter. And in this letter, she wants to tell him everything. Everything that she's been wanting to tell him for weeks, months, about how she got to where she is, who she is, how she wound up on his farm. But the letter that she writes turns out to be more than just about how she's on the run for the crime of murder. It becomes the story of Sharon Newman from the very beginning when she first got into town right up until now. And it was a really well-written story. I mean, for a 4th of July holiday show, it was really Wonderful. Normally those shows are kind of throwaway, poolside, whatever. I mean, there's not really a lot of action, but there was just something very special about that episode. And it was, I have to give it up to the writers, because it was as if, you know, we're always seeing Sharon as outsiders. We're always viewing her from the outside looking in. And why I think this was such... A significant story uh, to, to be told was because this time it was Sharon talking about her life from her own perspective. I mean, we spend so much time from the outside looking in, and this time it was her telling us everything about her life with all of the hindsight and all of the wisdom that she's acquired as a result of everything that she's been through, all of her struggles. And when you think back on it, Sharon was a broken person when she arrived in Genoa City. She has this crippled mother she, where she, she's always in a position of having to take care of her mother. She had this child with an older guy, um, and she had to give the child away for adoption, and it was so hard for her. This, I mean, not only that, but the, the, this, this guy, Frank, he, he had fooled her. I mean, he had kind of, in a way, fooled her into, into having sex with him. And, and he told her that he loved her, and it, it, it didn't turn out to be true. She believed him, and it, when it wasn't true, and when she found out that it wasn't true, it hurt. Her, and it shaped her. And when a man who f finally did love her came along, Nick, she ended up having to lie to him. She had to keep this secret about having already had a child. And it was, it was just such a pleasure to go back in time. It really felt like being transported back in time and just seeing and reliving the story of Sharon again. I mean, really, if you haven't seen the episode, I really would encourage you to go back and watch it, especially if you're not a longtime viewer. If, if, if you know, it, 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 as someone who watched all of this happening, I was watching when all of this was happening. It, it, put things into a totally different perspective for me. So I can only imagine if you're a somewhat new viewer, this would this is, is really good material. Go back and watch the, the, the show that aired on Monday. I mean, Sharon comes onto the scene and she is fresh-faced. It was like right when Nick started courting her, she hadn't been through everything that she's you know gone through yet. I mean, she she had uh, she had struggles in the beginning of her life, but there was so much ahead of her. And just looking at this fresh-faced girl, knowing what is is ahead of her, was so moving. And 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 Nick, Nick was fresh face too, baby face. Nick, it was just. It was such a pleasure. I mean, Josh, Josh Morrow, he was, bless him, he was not the world's greatest actor, okay? Back when he first came onto the scene as a young teen, he was not, he was not the world's greatest actor. We'll just say that. But, you know, you have to give him credit because man, the man has come a long way. I mean, looking at his scenes back then, looking at his scenes today, he's come a long way. Enough said. So... 
it was really it was really excellent because what what the writers did here too in reliving this relationship with Nick and Sharon was they also established the theme of Nick always feeling like he had to rescue Sharon and they really made that a theme throughout showing these flashbacks so that you really got a sense of how Nick has been rescuing Sharon from the beginning up until the end for her whole life. I mean, we saw this graphic, graphic scene when Sharon was raped by Matt Clark. It was absolutely graphic. I mean, this was probably 15 years ago, and I was shocked watching it. I mean, they really showed some detail. They really got up in there and showed what she went through, and it was traumatic. And we also saw Nick, for the first time, coming to her rescue. He wanted to 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 defend her, you know, against what had happened to her. And he ended up going to jail for it. You know, he ended up going to jail for, for murder, in fact. Of course, Eventually, he got out of jail, um, and I, it's, it's, it's funny because I was actually cleaning out my closet a couple of weeks ago, and I found some old VHS tapes of, uh, that I used to tape the show. You know, if I was at school or I couldn't watch for a day, I would tape YNR and come home and watch it, and when there was a really significant episode, I would save it, and I, I went back through these tapes recently, and I saw that I still had... Nick um, getting convicted <laughs> of Matt Clark's murder on tape. It was such a shocker. So I, I still have that um, in the archives somewhere. But he got out of jail. He proposed to Sharon. And it was so romantic. It was so wonderful. They ended up getting married. And they had a wonderful wedding. We saw them saying their vows and coming together. And of course, we saw Nikki looking like a sourpuss in the background of their wedding and her big old dress. It was, oh, it was classic. Um, we also saw the birth of their child, Noah, and, you know, despite um, what ended up being a really difficult pregnancy, you know, Noah was born just fine, and then Cassie came into their lives, and Cassie, she came to live with them, and it was such a, it was such an Annie, a little orphan Annie story, if ever there was one. I mean, it's, it really is just, that whole storyline was such, it was just really, it just, tugs at you. I don't know how you could possibly resist it, but Nick and Sharon and Noah and Cassie became this little family. I mean, they they really had um, a, a, a model family, and Nick and Sharon were a model couple. I mean, they were perfect almost in every way, and another part of this this memory sequence was um, a, a a montage of all of the wonderful lovemaking scenes that we've seen over the years, and there have been so many, so many of Nick and Sharon. I'm just watching it as they've grown up. All of their lovemaking scenes. It was transcendent. I tell you, it was that was my favorite. It was breathtaking, and you know we. <sighs> you know, went from the heights of this happiness of this model couple all the way to where it started to fall apart, where it all ended. And we relived the moment of Cassie's death. And I can tell you, I, I still remember where I was when Cassie died. It's, it's so strange. I know that's a strange sensation, you know, to anyone who doesn't love the show, doesn't watch the show, but for me, I remember where I was living at the time, you know, what couch I was sitting on when I was watching, you know, Cassie's death, and for me, that was so unexpected. I I was not involved in any YNR communities whatsoever at the time, um, and I, I didn't have, get any magazines or anything like that, so Cassie's death was totally unexpected to me for me, and I will always remember, I will never forget the scene 
the moment that she dies, they did this aerial scene from above the bed, looking down on Cassie's dead body, Sharon just throwing herself over the body, and Nick just sitting there holding Cassie's hand. I will never forget that scene as long as I live. It's it's one of those. It's just one of those things that that's just burned into my brain. And it was it became such an important and pivotal moment in the history of this relationship and Sharon actually remarks while writing this letter that this moment when Cassie died was the first time that Nick wasn't able to fix things he wasn't able to come in and rescue her I just thought that was such a great observation and another reason why it was so amazing to hear things just from Sharon's perspective because it really really is true and instead of leaning in to Sharon and sharing their grief together Nick pulled away he he pushed her away he didn't want to have anything to do with her and he ended up having an affair with Phyllis now to be fair <laughs> Nick had had a couple other affairs. Sharon had had a couple other affairs to this point. I mean, you know, it, it, I guess, you know, you get painted this picture of this perfect couple and you get caught up in, in the fairy tale, but they both had slept with other people a couple of times before, before Nick slept with Phyllis. But the difference with Nick and Phyllis was that it was an emotional affair. It was sexual. It absolutely was sexual. Nick and Phyllis have a very strong sexual attraction, cannot be denied, but there was an emotional element there too. It was more than just sex. And it was so cool to see the scene again where Sharon revealed to Nick that she knew that he was having the affair with Phyllis. Sharon followed Phyllis to the boutique, saw her buying the sexy set of lingerie, and knew that she had been in a hotel room with her husband wearing that sexy lingerie. And so Sharon puts on the same outfit and then reveals it all to Nick in just the best, most juicy way. What an amazing scene that was, and what a pleasure it was to relive it. I, I absolutely loved it. And um, that was, I mean, that was it. That, I mean, that was the end of, of, of the Nick and Sharon. I mean, from there on out, it was, it was hit and miss. It was never, ever the same. And in a way, the, you know, this part of Sharon's letter, this part of Sharon's life was act one. This was just act one, the, the Nick years. And what was to come was was act two. It was when she met Adam, and she fell in love with him, despite all of the odds, and she married him, and Adam was the complete opposite from Nick, and I, I see it now. Having her describe it in this way, I just, it, it makes a new sense to me. Adam was the complete opposite from Nick. I mean, Nick was always there trying to rescue her, but Adam believed that she could take care of herself. She didn't need rescuing. And he made her feel, for the first time, like she was in control of the relationship. Like she was able to take the lead for once. And that was what drew her to him, what attracted her to him. And I also, <laughs> I also thought watching this, you know, when Michael Mooney first came onto the show, I'm sorry, but he was not attractive at first. I, I, <laughs> I tried, I, 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 I tried to like even see glimpses of the current Adam in that new Adam and I just couldn't find it. It was like his hair was too short when he first came on and just, he was not good looking. I'm, I'm surprised because now I find him very good looking. So, despite my, my, my trying not to, I'm definitely attracted to him. But back then it just, I wasn't seeing it. I think that maybe 
he just has that kind of attractiveness that has to grow on you or or maybe it's that you, you, that he's become more comfortable in the role or maybe it's just that it's maybe it's just that his personality kind of adds to the attractiveness i don't know but he he eventually grew on me <laughs> and he eventually grew on Sharon and i believe that Sharon loves Adam and i believe that their relationship is special and they're in a, in its own way. It's not the same as the relationship that Nick and Sharon had at all. It is a separate thing. I, you know, I think, um, you know, people tend to fall into one of two camps, you know, either you're, 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 a, you know, Nick and Sharon, you know, diehard fan or, or actually, or you're a, a Sharon and Adam diehard fan. You know, I mean, people either seem to want her with one or the other, but I just fully embrace that the two relationships are different and unique and special in their own way, and I think that they truly are. So, finally, Sharon ends up, you know, as she's writing this letter, she starts to explain to Sam, um, uh, the how and why she became accused of Skye's murder, and how she broke out of prison, and why she was on the run, and how she came to find him at the farm, and also importantly, she revealed the logic behind why she wanted to let everyone believe that she was dead. Because that's extreme. And it's not like Sharon. Sharon loves and cares about her family, and uh, clearly they love and care about her, but she reveals that it, she felt it would have hurt them more to see her in jail than to think she was dead. So in a way, this was the ultimate self-sacrifice for her. And I just, I just, I, I totally enjoyed it, um, you know, reliving the memories. You know, it was like reliving memories of my own. And as daybreak hit, she looks over and she sees Sam, you know, her, 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 her present and potentially her future lying there in the bed. And she realizes that she's just not ready to share that story with him, to share everything with him. She looks at the letter and she destroys it. She just rips it right in two. And it was so symbolic. It felt like she, as she was ripping that letter in two, it was the same way that her life has been ripped in two. In the cold, hard light of day, Sharon realizes immediately that sleeping with Sam was a mistake. And as much as I thoroughly enjoyed their lovemaking, and you know I did, I have to admit, I realized it too. It was a mistake. They're in two totally different places, Sharon and Sam. Sharon is emotionally shut down. She's closed off. She loves Adam, but she can't have him. She's forcing herself to go along with this. She's forcing herself. And Sam, Sam is just in too vulnerable of a place. He's looking at Sharon like she is an angel that just dropped out of heaven. And beautiful women, beautiful, available, smart, funny, classy women don't just fall out of the sky. He's living in dreamland right now. He's wanting it to be true, and it's just not. I mean, Sam, Sam does not really even know enough about her to love her. He, he knows she's hiding something big, and he's just blinding himself to it. He's just ignoring it. I mean, he's... He's he's content just to to play pretend, just to play house and pretend that, that that it's his wife all over again and that they can just immediately fall in love and I'm sorry but it just doesn't work that way. Sharon wakes up, goes back out to the barn and she's pretty much trying to escape <laughs> the smothering of Sam. But Sam follows her, and he starts 
to put the pressure on. And see, now I feel like Sam is just pushing it. He's pushing it too hard. Like, having sex was one thing, but love is a completely other thing. And and he he doesn't know her. He hasn't known her for that long. And you can't make somebody love you back who doesn't love you. Oh, if only you could. But you can't. And Sam, I just feel like he is asking to get hurt at this point. And I don't want that for him. But as hot as the sex is, was, Sam, Sharon does not love you. Do you, Can you not feel it? Sharon does not love you. It's just sad. I feel like he is lucky that she slept with him once. <laughs> but now he's expecting her to fall into a relationship and it's just too quick. It's, it's, it's too much. It's too quick. He asked her to move into the house with him. Which I can understand. I can understand that he does not want his girlfriend living in the barn. But I I just feel like it's it's too soon for them to be living together and I can't believe she said yes. I can't believe that she agreed to it because in a way this could be totally wrong, but there's a part of me that feels like Sharon feels like she has to sleep with Sam and pursue this relationship with Sam in order to keep hiding out there. Ugh, that's so horrible. That just, it feels icky. It feels wrong. Sam is stealing kisses from her all the time. Every time she's standing there, he grabs her and he's smooching on her, probably wanting to suck her face off. And he just can't seem to keep his hands off of her. And it bothers me. They ended up having sex again this week. And this time it was just wrong, wrong, wrong. It did not feel right. And I can't help just every time he's touching her, I can't help thinking, stop it. Just stop it. She's not your sex toy, Sam. You don't just get to touch her whenever you want to. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what it is, but everything just is changed for me now. I wanted it once, but now I realize it was wrong and I, I don't want it anymore. I feel I feel bad, but I I feel like Sam's heart is in the right place. But he's forcing it, and I feel like now she's forcing herself to, to be involved with him. So, <laughs> we learned this week that there is a town dance happening tonight. Okay, first of all, a town dance... <laughs> A town dance? Really? Like, does that sort of thing even still exist? <laughs> Second of all, okay, it's adorable. <laughs> I've totally fallen for it. It was cute. Sam goes with Piper's mom to pick out a dress. For Sharon and he wants to ask her to this dance and he, he picks out this dress so that she'll have something nice to wear so that she can feel good about herself and yet again we have an instance of Sam putting on the pressure trying to get Sharon to do something that she doesn't want to do he asks her to go to this dance even though she has told him time after time that she doesn't want to go out into public she doesn't want to see a bunch of people. She's clearly uncomfortable with the idea, yet he pushes her. Finally, he decides to take no for an answer. But then Piper shows up. <laughs> and this little girl knows how to pull on Sharon's heartstrings. She knows exactly how to do it. And Piper reveals to Sharon that... 
This is the first year that Sam has been back to the dance. So basically, Sam's wife left him at this dance. <laughs> and the first time he's been able to muster up the nerve to go back to the dance, the heart to go back to the dance, is now that he's met Sharon. For crying out loud, you guys, this guy is a wounded bird. <laughs> she should not be doing this. I mean, seriously, Sharon should have high-tailed it off of this farm, out of this area, last night, instead of sitting around writing that letter. <laughs> I mean, that would have been the thing to do. But no. She feels sorry for him. You know, a couple people have mentioned that she that they felt like the sex was pity sex. And at the time, I was like, no, it was passion. But now I see it. I see it. You're right, you guys. She decided to go to this dance after all. She definitely pity went to the dance. And it was just a bad idea. Basically, everyone who Sharon did not want to see ended up showing up at this dance. It was... The waitress that she saw in the diner, you know, the night she was driving on the highway, trying to, you know, the night she made her escape. She saw the state trooper that pulled her over. He was there. He's a friend of Sam's. And, um, of course, uh, Piper's dad, the federal marshal, is there. And, 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 and the, the, the main attraction, the carjacker, who clearly is putting two and two together, shows up. He's carjacked somebody else, and they ended up catching him. And she, he shows up at this barn dance. And he, it just, it, it was not going to be good. The whole thing just came to a head all at once. It was like all of the elements, all of the pieces just fell into, into place at once. But not before Sharon and Sam had... A romantic final dance together. And there was this beautiful, soft music playing. They had a live band, but it was it was an emotional song playing in the background, and Sam and Sharon are embracing and slow dancing and then looking into each other's eyes deeply. And the next thing you know, Piper's dad, the federal marshal, is tapping Sam on the shoulder. Both Sharon and Sam turn around, and Piper's dad says, Sharon Newman? And that was the moment. That was the moment that it all fell apart for Sharon. You could see her body slumping. He called her by her real name. Sharon Newman, you're under arrest. And that was it. I mean, you just get this feeling from Sharon that, like, she just wants to click her heels three times and disappear. Just, she wishes she could just disappear from the situation, and <laughs> Sam is standing there like, huh? Derp? <laughs> I was, for some reason, it reminded me of the scene in Splash where Tom Hanks's character finds out that Daryl Hannah's character is really a mermaid. <laughs> and like everyone is standing there at this bar dance just staring at Sherry and Sam and Sam's just standing there like, what? I've been dating a mermaid? So for all of you guys who are getting tired of this storyline, congratulations, because it is all over. It has all exploded. It's all done. There's The farm days have waned. They've come to an end. And the previews 
for next week's show, show Sharon's butt getting hauled back to Wisconsin as the news of Sharon still being alive drops like a bomb on Genoa City. Well, while our farm fantasy, I mean Sharon's farm fantasy, is falling to pieces, her loved ones are back in Genoa City still mourning her. Adam is desperately trying to search through his stack of memory cards from Thailand to try to recover the video that proves that Sharon didn't kill Skye. And I have said it before, I will say it again, Sharon is what makes Adam redeemable. To me, at least. He has done so many horrible things. And then he's sitting there in his hotel room alone, staring at her engagement ring, missing her, wanting her, thinking about the life that they had together, wishing she was still alive, and feeling guilty, and 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 wanting to restore her innocence because the Lord knows he doesn't have any on his own. Sharon is that part of him. Sharon is that only thing that is anywhere near innocent for him. And he said this week, I put Sharon above everything and everyone else. And I I believe that. I know that's true. It is true. Sharon is the end-all, be-all for Adam. And he is starting to develop this enormous amount of affection for Noah because of it. And I, I'm loving it. I love that there is a tenderness between Adam and Noah when you would expect an animosity. I mean, Noah has been helping Adam try to restore these memory cards, try to find this video. And what has developed is a really nice tenderness. I mean, these are two people who should not necessarily get along. And yet Sharon... Her memory is what bonds them together. And Noah actually tells Adam that the family is going to be scattering Sharon's ashes this week. And that's information that Noah did not have to share with Adam. And in return, you know, Adam didn't butt up in it. You know, like normally, I think if Adam would have found out on his own that Sharon's ashes were going to be scattered, Adam would have insisted on being involved. But he he, he didn't do that. Instead, he follows the, the family to the site, but he stays in the background. And he respects their grief, which I just really appreciated. I mean, you know, Adam has just as much right to be there as everyone else, whether they, whether the rest of the family likes him or not. He has a right to be there, but he respected, I think, Noah. And I think that's why he stayed back. So they all go to the bridge. It was um, Doris and Noah and Faith and Nick. They all go to the bridge to scatter <clears throat> uh, Sharon's ashes. By the way, we're, we've seen a lot of that bridge this week. There was no bridge before, and now it's all bridge. <laughs> we we got a new bridge, and we are getting some, we are getting our mileage out of our new bridge. <laughs> um, so they scatter Sharon's ashes, but not before they all um, have a chance to to say a little a little something and. Adam, of course, is listening in the background for all of this, and he's crying. And Doris 
speaks first and she essentially says all of the things that she should have said to Sharon while she was behind bars. Doris crapped all over Sharon in her last, quote-unquote, last days. And here she is, standing on this bridge, scattering her ashes, saying how proud she was of her. Mm. That just really got to me. Frankly, I will never forgive Doris for the way she treated Sharon, that just, it sickened me. It really, really turned me off of Doris. She can take a flying freaking leap off of that bridge as far as I'm concerned now. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but Doris is on my list, you guys. Um, Everything else was wonderful. I mean, Noah was so strong and so mature. You know, he's standing there crying and holding faith and you know, saying that he's going to do his best to, to make sure that Faith knows who Sharon was. And that was a very wonderful moment. And finally, finally, Nick had, a, a, you know, a really good breakdown. Or, you know, it wasn't even a breakdown moment. He was, he just finally, he said what I needed him to say. He, he ended up, um, you know, reading this poem sort of thing. And it, it said something like, you know, if you're, if you're feeling sad, you know, look again in your heart because you are weeping for that which has given you delight. You know, the fact that you are sad is because you have been happy. And I thought that was very, it was a wonderful little thing to say. And it was good because I just feel like Nick has not been as affected by Sharon's death as I would have expected him to be. I don't know if any of you feel that way, but I, I mean, I know that Sharon and Nick were not on good terms at the end. Um, but Sharon has been a central figure in his life. And I think seeing all of the flashbacks you know, seeing the, how, how much, I mean, 75% of Sharon's life in the flashbacks were about her and Nick and their life together. And I just expected Nick to be more devastated by Sharon's death. And I don't feel like we ever got that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm losing my mind, but I just, that's how I feel. I feel like Adam has been far more devastated by by Sharon's death. And after everybody else leaves, Adam, you know, steps up to say a few words, and he's not ready to say goodbye because his work is not done. He is vowing to her to let her rest in peace by clearing her name of the of these charges, finally doing what he what 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 they were trying to do for so long. And that's exactly what he did because later at the hotel Adam successfully restores the video, the evidence. You know, he, in his mind, he thinks it's too late, but it's not too late. Oh, no. The evidence is here. Adam has it. Adam can clear Sharon's name right now. All of that can go to go away. Sharon can come back to Genoa City at any point now and just, woo, move along with her life. But still at the bridge, Faith accidentally dropped her blanket on the bridge and Nick comes back to get it and Adam and Nick have yet another argument. Basically, it was Nick grump, grump, grumping all over Adam's special moment of, of you know, of having this conversation with Sharon's memory. And it, it was, it was the same old fight. It was Nick telling Adam that, you know what, if it weren't for you, there would be no ashes in this jar. And it was Adam saying to Nick, you know what, you're just mad at me because the love of your life, the mother of your children, chose me. <laughs> both of them right in their own way and and both of those you know arguments completely valid and completely stinging it was really it was powerful i mean there've been a lot of fights between nick and adam but i really felt like that was one of the the more notable um you just really got a sense of of how much these two men disdain each other and it also kind of made me wonder if 
Joshua Morrow and Michael Mooney get along in real life? I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if they get along or if there's a little bit of tension there. I just, I don't know. I, I wonder that. I, I, I wonder if Nick and Adam will ever forgive Sharon for, for, you know, when they find out that she's alive and that she, she lied. She faked her own death. I mean, I can see Adam forgiving her immediately, but I just, well, I think... Nick and Noah might be another story. I mean, it, uh, Nick, I think, will be furious. And I think Adam might end up being the, uh, the, the, the one to convince Noah to forgive his mother. I don't know. There's a lot of question marks here. I mean, I wonder if Sharon's family is going to have the same reaction to her faking her death as Kane's family had to him faking his death, uh, and, 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 and probably most importantly, I wonder if Sharon's family will be shocked to see her new light brown hair. I think I'm right to question Nick's handling of Sharon's death here, and if I'm not right, I'm sure that you will let me know. <laughs> I just feel like Sharon was the love of Nick's life. They've known each other forever. They have three children together. And where where were his tears this week? Where was where were Nick's tears? Why wasn't he helping to restore the memory cards? I I just I'm baffled. I it just I mean for the sake of the children, Nick did go out of his way to help um, have Sharon's suicide status reversed. But why doesn't he care about helping clear her name of the murder charges for the exact same reason? I, that just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I mean, in the end, when Sharon needed him the most, I just can't, I, I can't forget that he took her child away from her and abandoned her. I mean, not, not even just as a lover, but as a friend. I, I guess, I mean, I just... I understand why he doesn't want her to be... didn't want her to be close with Adam, and I, but I think it was just still so much more about ego than anything else. And now, Nick is back at Restless Style with Phyllis, and Nick and Phyllis started Restless Style together. Restless Style is like foreplay to them. I mean, I guess I was just hoping, I've been, I was hoping for something different from Nick. That's what this is all boiling down to. I was hoping that Nick would, would, would kind of give us a fresh look. I was hoping that he would take the magazine in a different direction. And instead, now he's listening to Phyllis and focusing his energy on, you know, on uh, doing the exact th same thing that everyone else has done with Restless Style. Use it as a weapon. I mean, he and Phyllis are writing this article suggesting that it was Adam's fault that Sharon died, which may be 100% correct, but it's still in bad taste. It's still, it's still exploiting Sharon's death. How are the children going to feel about that? I can't imagine that Noah's going to be like, well, sure, that's fine. I just, it just bothers me. It just bothers me. And now that Sharon is dead, there's absolutely nothing standing in between Nick and Phyllis. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love Nick and Phyllis, too. Nick and Phyllis have their own special, again, it's like the Adam and Sharon thing. They have their own special dynamic to their relationship. It's not Nick and Sharon. It's different. It's dirtier. <laughs> and I love it for that reason. And I love Nick. I do. I love Nick. I'm not trying to rag on him. I'm even getting used to his new haircut. <laughs> it's taken some time, but I'm even used to that. But it's just, I just, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out where his head is right now. I mean, 
besides being totally focused on his crotch, because uh, on the very day that they spread Sharon's ashes, he has sex with Phyllis on her desk? Well, that took all of what? One week? While they were in rehab together, Eden asked Abby not to tell Noah why she was there. So Abby told Noah exactly why she was there, of course. And also, by the way, we did confirm that Eden was in rehab because she had an eating disorder, which no one knew nothing about. Apparently no one in her family knew anything about. It was, it just developed. And so Eden and Noah finally came face to face this week. And clearly they both have feelings for one another still. Eden showed back up in Genoa City. They ran into each other, and it was kind of like one of those why-can't-it-be sort of moments. And everything, I think, would seem very clear-cut toward a reunion for these two, but there's just one little hitch, and here's the reason why I mention this. Hunter. What's up with Hunter? What do you guys think of Hunter? Let's get some preliminary thoughts in here before the storyline develops too much. I want to get some predictions. I want to see what you guys are thinking, feeling. I mean, we don't really know that much about her other than she seems to be a bit of a drifter. Um, She has an interest Suddenly, in working at a magazine, um, magically, as at the same time that Noah's dad buys one, I I don't know. I'm I I'm gonna I'm gonna put my little my little hat into the ring here, and I'm gonna say that I think Hunter will turn out to be crazy. I think she will turn out to be a little bit of a stalker, um, and I think she's going to be pulling a few stunts, maybe Phyllis style. <laughs> um, and I think that um, that she will ultimately be what keeps Noah and Eden apart. You can't love someone if you don't trust them. That seems to be the theme of the week. There's a, there's and there's a lesson that several people in in Genoa City are are having to learn the hard way. I mean, Jill, for one, Colin is completely determined to get her back. He is not taking no for an answer. He's just relentlessly pursuing her. And Jill still loves him. She still loves him. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they had some good times together. But he lied to her. Colin lied to her. He deceived her. And the lie does not make all of the good times go away? Of course not. But it sure, surely should make you reluctant to let them back into your life. I, I mean, and, and Lily's in the exact same situation. Lily and Jill should be having a lot of conversations. They should be having coffee every day, all day, t- talking this through. Um, Lily... This isn't even the first time she's been in this situation. She still loves Cain. But she's realizing that the man who she loved never really existed. And although I I don't doubt Cain's love, I don't doubt Cain's sincerity, but he has been lying to everyone. Since the moment that he came into town. It's just, it's undeniable. Absolutely undeniable. And, um, and, and, and also I think that, um, Daniel is in, is in a similar situation. It's not quite as extreme, but Daniel's learning his own lesson about trust. Because this week, Abby totally tried to get back together with him and he turned her down. He was like, mm, no thanks, because 
He can never tell when she's being honest with him or when she's doing something for the cameras, when she's pulling another naked air stunt. And Daniel doesn't want to be involved in that. And in a way, I kind of almost wonder if Daniel is not in the worst position of it all because he is definitely fallen back in love with Lily. But Lily is not over Kane. She just isn't. I don't think that she's ready to move on. And if she does move on with Daniel, it will only be on the rebound. And as I just, I, as much as I like Daniel and Lily separately, they just don't work for me as a couple. I, I could, I reserve the right to change my mind, but just, they don't work as a couple for me. I, I think I prefer them as friends. Um... Daniel just needs somebody with a little more spice. You know, I mean, Lily is so square. She is. She's like, she's just such a square peg. And and I just, I, I feel like she needs a straight guy, you know, like a corporate guy. I just, I can't see Lily with the tattooed, long-haired rebel guy. And Daniel wasn't like that when they were married at first. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're completely different people than they were when they were married the first time. I barely even remember them being married. I mean, for me, it's almost kind of like it was a little, it's forgettable. I mean, it's not one of those, they weren't one of those couples that I really, really remembered. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't see Daniel with Lily either. I feel like Daniel needs somebody with a little bit more spunk. I mean, do you guys feel that way? Is it just me? I, I just, I'm not totally feeling this. Um, and, and it also, I'm, I'm, I'm torn because, I, in, in a way, I can't see Lily with anyone other than Kane. I just, I, I, like, on, on the one hand, I don't want Lily to forgive him because I know that I would never forgive him. But on the other hand, I just can't see her with anybody but him. So, she actually told Kane this week in no uncertain terms just to stay away from her. Get out of her life, stay away from her. Yet, Kane will not leave town. He's still hanging around. He's trying to keep his eye on Colin. He's, he's, he's saying over and over that he wants to stay in town so that he can protect Lily and the kids. When time and time again, all he does is put them into danger. He always uses the excuse of protecting them. And it, and it always puts them in danger. Mm. Kane is just in a lose-lose situation. I just, I wish that this, I wish this thing hadn't happened. It was good, but I kind of wish it hadn't happened. Because, I mean, the whole plan of faking his death cost him his marriage and his family. And now he's got... These, you know, his creepy parents hanging around, his creepy mother hanging around, and yet, and Colin is still walking free. The whole plan was supposed to be to get Colin in jail. Cain sacrificed everything, and Colin is still walking around free. So, Cain's really got nothing else to do. He goes to Jimmy's. He ends up getting a job there. I mean, for crying out loud, he used to own the place. But, of course, he goes to fill out his application on the very same day that Lily and Daniel go there. They stop by for a beer. They're having fun. They're playing a game. They're laughing. And then Daniel just takes one look at Lily, says, I hope you think this is a good idea. And then he kisses her. Mm. Cain mm. sees the whole thing, walks away, and I am thinking, this is not a good idea. I just, I don't think it's a good idea at all. It's way too soon, and I am afraid that Daniel is going to be the one to get hurt here. Oh my goodness. It has, um, it's been a very Newman, Sharon Newman-centric week. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty much all I've commented on outside of the the Kane Lily Daniel situation. But it it they've really focused in on the Sharon storyline this week, so I can't help that I'm all about it. I mean, I'm totally 
psyched for next week. I, that's it's a big deal. It's gonna when everybody in Genoa City finds out that Sharon is still alive. I mean, that's a show you got to tune into for sure. So I think I'm I'm understandably excited about the Sharon storyline. So I hope that you guys share uh, share my passion about these storylines and that you enjoy hearing me chat about them. Um, what else is going on? Oh, oh, oh! Good news for uh for 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 soap fans. I heard the news that uh, I think it's all my children and one life to live. I could be totally wrong. I don't even. I don't know. I know there are two soaps that were recently canceled that are now going to be moving just to the web. So they're no. That I mean, so fans were devastated learning that their soap was canceled, and then they were saved. There was a reprieve. Oh my goodness, I can only imagine, if you are a fan of those shows, how absolutely thrilled you are. I mean, the shows are going on as planned, same cast, same everything. Uh, that's All My Children is the only one I know for sure, but I, I mean, I'm so excited. If you are a fan of those shows, just that's wonderful. I'm very, very happy for you. And, you know, it's it's good to know that, you know, even if soaps become something that um, will no longer garner the, the ad, you know, support to keep them on television, it's wonderful to know that, you know, the web is an option. And, and truly, I think that the web probably is the future of television. I mean, I, I think, you know, within the next several decades, probably television will be uh, phased out and phased into the web. I mean, I don't own a TV. I don't have cable. I watch everything online. So I, I mean, I think, and I'm not even that much of an internet generation. I mean, so I mean, I think I think a lot of people are going to be doing that as time goes on. So so it's good to know. It's good to know that there, you know, may always be an outlet for soaps, no matter what. Oh, and the other thing that I'm so excited about is it's Big Brother time. Woo-woo! Yay! I don't know if you guys are watching Big Brother, but I am a fan. I have I've been watching since season two. Um, that's a lot of seasons. That's quite a while, man. I guess I've been watching, I mean, it has to be 10 years. I think it's probably been 10 years almost since I've been watching Big Brother. I love it. It is it is it's a guilty pleasure. There's so much drama. I mean already. Already. First of all, my favorite character, Evil Dick. If you guys are not watching Big Brother, you need to watch Big Brother. Evil Dick is already out of the house. If that that could even be a spoiler. It hasn't even been revealed on the shows yet. He's 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 out. We don't know what the reason is yet, but he has left the show. Oh my goodness, I'm so sad about that. But I'm really excited that that they're bringing back uh, cast members from past shows, um, especially Jeff and Jordan. Jeff and Jordan are totally going to make this season for me. And ugh, Rachel and Brendan, disgusto. But they, you got to give it to them. They compete. Rachel won the first HOH, and and um, she they won the veto too. So sorry if that's a spoiler. <laughs> I should have said spoiler alert. That's so wrong of me. Oh, well, you'll find out. Uh, you'll find out uh, later today anyway. So, um, yes, Big Brother is going to be very exciting this summer. Um, I'm really jazzed about it. And um, I hope that maybe you guys are watching it, too. But um, leave me a comment. Let me know what, you, what you're thinking about YNR, what you think about the, the developments in Soap World, what you think about Big Brother if you happen to be watching it. I absolutely love hearing back from you. It, it just it makes, my, it makes my day, it makes my week, it makes my life. So here's how you can feed back. I honestly think the best thing you can do is to just give me a buzz. It's so easy. I have a voicemail number. You don't have to talk to me live. Just leave me a quick little voice comment, um, and I'll give you the telephone number here. It is in the United States and area code 309-588-4569. One more time. It's 309-588-4569. Call in. Leave me a voice comment. I haven't really heard from anybody in a while, actually, now that I think about it. Where'd you guys go? Call in. Show me some loving. <laughs> I want to feel it. Um, the other thing that I really love seeing is reviews on iTunes. If you haven't gone into iTunes and left a review for Allie's Young and the Restless Chat, please do. It really does make a difference. Um, 
it helps. It helps in, in a lot of different ways, and I really appreciate it. And I love seeing or reading what you guys have to say about uh, my podcast. It keeps me keeps me going, keeps me um, motivated, really, um, just hearing what you guys have to say. So, oh my, I think that's it. I think that's it for now. I hope that you guys are enjoying the show, and I hope that you have a wonderful week, and I hope that you leave me a comment, because I'll be looking forward to hearing from you. Everybody take care, and I'll see you back here next time. Love ya. Bye.